I'm Natalia Hepworth for BYU-Idaho Radio, and today I have Brother Ryan Gardner, who's the faculty advisor for the Interfaith Leadership Academic Society with me today in the studio. Welcome. Thank you. It's great to be here. Thanks for the invitation. Well, I'm happy that you're here. You're one of my favorite people. Is that okay that I said that? That's okay that you said that. You're one of my favorite people. (laughs) Okay, good. Yes, it's a mutual feeling. Well, wonderful. Well, you know what? Why don't you tell me a little bit about what you do here on campus, just so that people can learn about you and your background. Okay, great. So I teach in the religion uh, department on campus. I've been here since 2012. And I teach mostly classes in church history and doctrine. So doctrine and covenants, church history, presence of the church, some of those kinds of things. Um, but I also have a passion for world religions and religious literacy. So I teach world religions courses on campus, and uh, I just really started thinking about how we could uh, help students become uh, leaders in that sphere, that realm. Uh, and so, but but that's that's mostly what I do as I, I teach in the religion department on campus. Wonderful. Well, you're the perfect person then for this interfaith leadership academic. Well, I, I don't know about that, but I, <laughs> I, 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 I like it and I have, I'm passionate about it. So Wonderful. So why don't you tell us when it got started and what was the inspiration behind this? Yeah, so that's a great question. So some people may not know, um, but I think if they stop to think about it, it would make sense that uh, one of the most uh, popular electives in the religion department is the World Religions course. We offer about seven to eight sections of that, sometimes nine, uh, and they fill up. Uh, so we're talking about somewhere in the neighborhood of 350 to 450 students every semester taking a World Religions course on campus. And, and I think that part of the reason students do that is because they recognize um, at some level that they live in a, a new world. The 21st century is a different place uh, than, than the world of their parents or their grandparents. And they, they need to be better informed and more aware of the religious diversity that exists in the globalized 21st century. And so they, they want to know more about uh, their neighbors and their coworkers and their friends. And so, so we have uh, a, lot of, a lot of demand for that course. And, and it's a great class. I, I love teaching it. And over the years, um, I, I think I've developed a sense that while it's great to learn about other people's religions and, and get a sense of their worldviews, uh, it would be even better if we could help students uh, develop the, the vision and the knowledge and the skills to bring people from different religions together to work on common goods for our, our communities and our society. Uh, and so... So I started to think about that. And I, I mean, as great as it is that we have, you know, 300 to 450 students a semester taking a world religions class, that's still really only a small fraction of the total number of students uh, on campus. And so I, I started to think about how could we provide um, more opportunities for students who may not be able to fit a world religions course into their, their grad plan. How could we provide opportunities for them to explore other religions and explore opportunities and, and learn how to be those kind of leaders who could bring together people from different religions. Um, and so, so, so we started to talk about with some students uh, this idea of, of creating. Uh, at that time, um, well, when we first started talking about it, it was still when we had, I think, clubs or something like that on campus. I don't remember exactly how all the all the history of that. But eventually, by the time we uh, put in the application, they were academic societies. And so we had uh, a group of interested students who 
filled out the form and, and put that through. And we had to go through a couple of iterations uh, of it to, to kind of get it right. Uh, but, but finally, what, what really happened, and I, I, had, I really do have to credit Robert Chambers uh, with a lot of this. He's our department chair. And uh, <laughs> in fact, it's kind of funny. Uh, one, one, uh, they had kind of rejected uh, one of our proposals, and I was a little bit unhappy about it. <laughs> um, and so uh, I was scrolling through iBelong uh, one day. And I started to just look at some of the student groups that we had on campus. And, and, and by the way, I'm not saying this to, to, to disparage any of those groups because I think it's great we have a wide variety of groups, right? But we had groups about all kinds of things, right? Like, I mean, the one that stands out to me was we had a Dungeons and Dragons group uh, on campus. Hey, that's necessary. Which, which, yeah, which I think is great, right? <laughs> like, I, I think if people want to play Dungeons and Dragons together, I think that's awesome. Sure. But I'm, I was thinking... If we have a Dungeons and Dragons group on campus, why can't we have some kind of interfaith <laughs> group on campus? Let's be right? open. Yeah, and so I, I I went to Brother Chambers, and Brother Chambers uh, really took that and said, "Okay, we're gonna we're gonna make this happen." And I don't know, I wasn't in the meetings he was in. I don't know how that happened, but the next thing I know, he was like, "Okay, go for it. You're approved." And I was like, "What, really?" <laughs> and he's like, "Yep, uh, we're we're ready to go." So I, I, Robert Chambers really, uh, and he, he and I talk a lot about this too. He really also has a vision for the need for this. I, I think his background experience as the city manager in Pocatello, where they have a really strong interfaith community there, um, and he, he was the, the city manager there and, and saw the good that came from that for that community. Mm. And so I think that really um, kind of was a catalyst for – um, for, for getting this approved and, and, get, and making it happen on campus. Absolutely. So, so uh, while the passion of the students, I think, was important and their interest was important, uh, I, I really give a lot of credit to, to Robert Chambers uh, for, for helping us uh, kind of pull this together. That's wonderful. I think it was Dallin Jokes that said, you want to do the next right thing, but you want to do the next right thing at the right time. Yes. And yes. So maybe it was just a timing thing. Yeah, could have been. Yep. Yeah, yeah great. Could have been. So it sounds like your main mission, you can correct me, is sort of like this interfaith fellowship. Is that right? Or would you want to add to that? Yeah, something like that. I mean, the, the mission of the, the club or the society, excuse me, the mission of the society is to help students develop the knowledge, skills, and attitudes, or, or I would say vision, to help them become leaders who can bring together people from different religious backgrounds to work on common goods, right? Think, things that we all care about in society, whether that's education or poverty or protecting children or religious freedom, right? There, there are a lot of things that, that many people of faith uh, have deeply held values that motivate them to want to wanna work on those things, and we, we can connect with them. And so we want to help students learn how to be the leaders that can facilitate that and, and bring that together in their communities. Absolutely. Would you say that you also work on the type of language that you use around this subject of interfaith? Because I've, I've seen a push with our church, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, to have more inclusive language in what they do. There's a lot of outreach with humanitarian work. And they, from what I've seen after working at church headquarters— is that they use a lot of humanitarian endeavors to blend people of different faiths and come together for a common good. Yeah, I, I didn't know you worked at church headquarters. I worked at church headquarters for a little while too. So we have one more one more thing Another that you and I thing. have in common that make us have this good connection. We were supposed to be friends. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I, I think uh, really, and I tell I tell my interfaith leadership students on 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 campus all the time. I have a, I, have a, I teach a course in interfaith leadership also uh, every fall, and I tell them, you know, all you have to do really, is just start scrolling through the church news website to see all the efforts 
that the church is making um, to connect with people of other faiths and to work with people of other faiths. And, and, I, and I do think there, you, you asked about language, and I don't know if this is what you're talking about, but I, I do think there's a shared language we have to kind of work on uh, with this, right? Um, we, we have a certain sort of lingo and jargon that we use in the church, and, and people in other religions have a different lingo and a different jargon. And, and sometimes we have to learn what that is uh, so that we can connect with them. And so there is an effort, uh, I do make an effort in the Interfaith Leadership course to introduce students to some of that language, right? How do you talk about this? And, and what are the, what's the terminology that you're going to need to know uh, so, that, so that you can connect with people who are in this same sort of realm, right? Absolutely. Um, so I, I do think that's important. I think one way that we've tried to, as a worldwide church, is change visiting teaching and home teaching mm. to ministering. Because mm. that word is more widely used, I believe, among religions, what would you say? Oh, certainly other religions are very into ministry, right? Um, education ministry, prison ministry, humanitarian ministry, right? I mean, they, that's, a, that's a very common term uh, as well. So I, I, think that, I think that could be the case. Great. So as far as our area, mm. we're about 98% Latter-day Saints <laughs> in the Rexburg, East Idaho area. Yes. I mean, it varies, you know, if sure. you go south or north and things like that, but especially in Rexburg in our community people probably might assume that there might not be as many opportunities for, I should say, there might not be as many interfaith opportunities. But we do have other churches here. Yes. How, uh, how is your society reaching out to those other local churches to integrate them into the, th- the things that we're trying to do here on campus? So I would say um, that because we're still pretty new, um, we're still in the early stages of that. Right. Um, we, we have reached out to them. Um, we don't have an active interfaith council or fellowship in, the, in Madison County. That's something I'd love to see change um, uh, someday. I'd, I'd love to see us do that. So we're trying to do some, some outreach to people here in the Rexburg area. Um, we, we've reached out to, to several of the leaders of some of those congregations and, and are working on developing relationships there. Um, but we've also reached out uh, to Idaho Falls. Um, and uh, Kevin Carson is the president of the Idaho Falls interfaith community there, and I've attended some of their meetings just to learn more about that, and and we've talked about some um, opportunities that we might have and possibilities that are there for us to to collaborate with them uh, as well. And so, and in fact, uh, Kevin Carson, he's the reverend for the uh, Unitarian Universalist uh, group in Idaho Falls, and uh, we're going to go visit them this semester. Um, and uh, possibly do a, a service project uh, with their community this semester. So we're, we're trying to work on some of those kinds of things. I, I'd say the strongest, most successful example of interfaith in Southeast Idaho, I think Pocatello still counts as Southeast Idaho. Um, in, in my mind, it does anyway, um, is uh, the Portneuf Valley Interfaith Fellowship in, in Pocatello. They have done amazing things. That, that group has existed for a little over two decades, and uh, – some of the things that they've done uh, in that time has really uh, been beneficial for the community. And in fact, uh, the, that, that, that interfaith uh, fellowship is so strong that uh, the Pocatello Temple groundbreaking was the first interfaith groundbreaking in the history of the church, um, where they had people from many different religions there in Pocatello, all with the, the golden shovels turning over shovelfuls of dirt. Um, it was a remarkable experience. Uh, oh. There's some videos you can find online for that that are really amazing. 
Um, so I, I think it just speaks to the power of interfaith. We can learn to appreciate and respect and, uh, and love, uh, most importantly love, uh, those of other faiths without compromising our, our own beliefs, right? Absolutely. Um, one of the early meetings, I, one of the groups I was uh, really involved with uh, early on in this process was uh, called Interfaith Youth Corps out of Chicago. And uh, they're now Interfaith America. But uh, one of the seminars I went to uh, on, on the West Coast uh, in Washington, uh, I, I was so happy when one of – and this language you, – you, you mentioned language earlier. But one of the facilitators for the, for the workshop, for the seminar, stood up and said – and this is really esoteric language, I know, but, but I'm going to say what she said. She said, you, you can be a theological exclusivist and be a civic religious pluralist. Now, what she means by that uh, is that you can believe that you have certain truths, certain um, essential doctrines that are, that are necessary for salvation, and still be engaged in the public square with people who, who don't share those same beliefs. And it was really interesting. Uh, so many people in the group there pushed back on that and said, oh, no, no, you can't. Um, and because of my previous experience with the Religious Educators Association and some of the things there, I was able to raise my hand and talk about Stephen Vryhoff's concept of rooted cosmopolitanism and, and, uh, and, and contribute to that conversation. And, and people were going, oh, wow, uh, you, you, you can really hang on to uh, and, and be deeply rooted in your own religious convictions and still be fiercely grounded in this uh, hope that we can create a society where we work together with, with people of different faiths. Um, last Monday, uh, I, I don't know if you saw the new documentary about the Teton Dam flood. Uh, I was there at that showing. And right in the middle of that, there's this great moment where it talks about how the Catholics and the Baptists and the Presbyterians and the Methodists and the Latter-day Saints are all there knee-deep in the mud, mucking out people's homes and, and working together. And uh, it's this great interfaith moment, this great historical moment of interfaith for our community that I would love to see us get back to, right? There are real issues in, in our community. There are real—we we live in a wonderful place. Rexburg's a great place. But, but we have things that, that we could improve. And I think that we could really use uh, the collective— wisdom and commitment and value-driven, faith-driven um, efforts of multiple people in the community to, uh, to, to work on those. Absolutely. And so I'd like to see that. I feel like sometimes there could be a stigma on Latter-day Saints as far as our Mormon culture. Mm. Um, and, and I feel maybe sometimes we come off as a, a preachy type of people or and I don't want to say self-righteous, but I think sometimes we're perceived that way. Well, we're, we're definitely perceived as being very proselytizing, right? I and mean, we certainly have a, a strong proselytizing uh, bent in, in our faith and, and for very good reasons, and we should have. Um, but, but when we do interfaith uh, work, right? We, we do have to say, okay, we're, we're not here to proselytize. We're, we're not here to try to convert people. We're here to build understanding. We're here to build relationships. We're here to learn how we can work together. And, and we're going we're gonna to not worry about proselytizing here, right? This, this is a space where, and, and it, what's really great is I've been in interfaith spaces where that's the case. And, and people aren't afraid to talk about their beliefs, but it's not with the intent of of proselytizing, right? 
And so um, it just creates this space where we can really trust each other and appreciate each other and work together and, and really be good friends without uh, that. And I, I do believe that that can happen. Um, and I, I, I want to, I want to share my faith and, and help people, uh, you know, believe what I believe as much as anybody, I think. But, but in that space, that's not really the effort. That's not really the focus. And, uh, so that, you know, I, I think that that's an important part of what you're talking about. Maybe, I don't know that that's, that's not just Mormon culture. I mean, that's essential to who we are as a church, right? Is that, that proselytizing effort. But, uh, but I do think we have to kind of, um, be okay, um, setting that down for a second, uh, and just to be willing to, to meet people um, where they're at and, and, and work with people uh, on, on things that, are, that, are, that could really be great for our, our community. Great. I think from your comments, I'm learning that East Idaho really does have this appetite for interfaith unity. Mm. So what does a society like this on campus, what, what are, what's the benefit of having a society like this on campus as far as appeasing that appetite? Yeah, like I said, I, th- I think it's it's rooted in our students' desire to uh, understand and connect with people of other faiths. Right? They they know that they're not going to live in a ninety eight percent Latter Day Saint uh, environment for the rest of their lives. They're gonna they're gonna go out into the world and and be in places where they're gonna rub shoulders with Buddhists and and Sikhs and Muslims and uh, Christians of other denominations and they're going to have to be able to, to kind of navigate that. And, and so the benefit, I think, of this society is, again, teaching people how to do this, right? I mean, the mission of the university is to help students become disciples of Jesus Christ who are leaders in their homes, communities, and congregations, and, and I would add workplaces, right? Uh, there's a lot of, at the Parliament of World Religions in 2015 in Salt Lake, I attended several sessions where Big corporations like Ford and and other places talked about the need for people to be able to get along religiously in the workplace. And so so this society really is is trying to help students learn, again, the knowledge, vision, and skills that will help them to do that wherever they end up. Um, There are uh, a lot of um, – several uh, large corporations like Google and – I'm trying to think of some of the other ones that we were talking about um, have have what are called uh, ERGs, employee resource groups, and several, and they're just they're just um, really kind of uh, opportunities for employees to connect with each other on various things. They might have uh, sort of recreational uh, ERGs or something, but a lot of these uh, big corporations, really big corporations, have uh, religious uh, ERGs. Um, which are an interfaith ERGs, where people who uh, have strong faith within the corporation want to get together and connect with people of other faiths and do things to improve the workplace, uh, serve their communities, uh, and, and so forth. And so that's, that's one avenue that, uh, that students might be able to get into after leaving BYU-Idaho, where they could really uh, bring a lot of unity and cohesiveness to, uh, to their communities and their workplaces. That's wonderful. Well, what is your vision for this society within the next two to five years? What do you hope that students take away from the Interfaith Leadership Academic Society? Well, I hope that it doesn't take them two to five years. I I hope that this semester (laughs) our students take away from this society uh, an understanding of just how valuable this can be and how they can incorporate this into whatever field they're in. Right? One, of, one of the things I talk about on the, on the first day of class with my interfaith leadership students in the, in the course is how does this connect with your, um, your, your major, your, your career goals, right? Uh, you don't have to be 
the the head of some interfaith uh, nonprofit organization, and and you don't have to be an apostle or a relief society president for the church uh, to to make a difference, right? Uh, those leaders do make a difference, but you can do this in really small ways in your community and in your workplace, wherever you're at. Um, Sherry Matson from she was a member of the Portna Valley Interfaith uh, Leadership that I mentioned earlier. She came and did a presentation for us uh, a couple semesters ago where she talked about that. How can you do interfaith in whatever sphere, whatever realm you're in? And so that, that's one thing I hope that students take away from this every semester is that, that you don't have to be a religion teacher and you don't have to be a pastor and you don't have to be uh, a bishop or a stake president or a relief study president to do interfaith. You can do this just uh, in, in so many ways, uh, just where you're at. Um, but, but for the society over the course of the next two to five years, wow, that's a really great question. Um, we, we already have almost 300 uh, people enrolled in the society on I Belong, uh, which is really great. Um, we get about... Uh, 20 to 95 coming to our activities, which are every second and fourth Wednesdays of the month. Um, I'd, I'd like to see that increase. I'd like to see it. I'd like to have a see more consistent attendance at those activities. Uh, I think that builds um, the program better and students will get more out of it as they consistently attend. Um, so I, I'd like to see our, our, our society grow in numbers. Um, but more importantly, in the next two to five years, I, I think my my dream, my vision would be to get some sort of interfaith fellowship, interfaith roundtable, interfaith council here in Madison County. That, that I think, would really uh, strengthen uh, the cohesiveness of our community. Uh, I, I plan on living in this community for a very, very long time, and uh, I, I think it would really bless all the members of our community um, and, and, and the region to have that kind of connection. Um, you know, we, we, one, another thing we talk about in class is um, the difference between diversity and pluralism. Diversity is just people of different backgrounds, whether that's religious or cultural or racial or, or whatever, um, living in close proximity to each other, right? Um, but they don't necessarily have to engage with each other, right? You can have a diverse community that's really not very pluralistic. Pluralistic on the, pluralism, on the other hand, is having a community where people respect and accept and, and work together despite their differences, right? They, they have deeply shared values that, that help them connect in ways that, that motivate them to, to build their community and, and build that, that social cohesion. That could happen in a lot of different ways. You can get from diversity to pluralism through a lot of different, different avenues. But one of the things I, I encourage my students to think about is that interfaith as an intersection for getting from diversity to pluralism really taps into what is a very deep part of our identity. It's a deep part of who we are. And um, I, I, might, I might connect with someone of a different uh, religion or a different background because we both believe in, we both like college football or we both like birding. I, I really like birding, right? Um, and and that's, that's great. But if I can connect with them on a deeper level, Right. Um, and and our, our religious values bring us together. I think that creates even a deeper bond and, I, I, and a deeper pluralism. Right. A more viable, genuine, durable pluralism uh, for our communities. So, I, so I'd really love to see that happen um, in in southeast Idaho more. Great. And I, and I hope the society can somehow be a part of that. I love that. What does an activity look like for your society? 
Oh, yeah, great. Um, we do a variety of activities. We try to make them really um, engaging. Um, and so we'd done one, one time we did a religious, uh, religious literacy fair and, uh, we had students play, uh, they go around to different booths and they, they'd answer certain questions and play games to win prizes and things like that. Um, so it's very interactive. Um, we, we do have guest speakers. We have some amazing guest speakers, uh, from, from all over the country. Um, and it's been really uh, fascinating. Um, we have some great experts on campus that we sometimes hear from brother Barron talked to us about Judaism, brother Schmidt talked to us about Christianity, um, and so we do, we do a wide variety of those kinds of uh, things. Um, we try to focus uh, for the semester on one um, religious worldview of some kind. So we've done uh, Judaism. And uh, that semester, we had Brother Barron come and speak to us about Judaism. We learned a little bit about Judaism. And then we went to the synagogue uh, in Pocatello. I love that. And uh, had, well, he's uh, a convert, too. Yeah, uh huh. Yeah, he joined the he joined this, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints when he was seventeen. Uh, so he had a he had a real life experience with Judaism that he could share that was really uh, insightful. Uh, but we went to the the synagogue in Pocatello and and um, uh, Rabbi Sarah Goodman and uh, Dale Spencer showed us around there, and we had a just awesome experience with about fifty five students. Um, and uh, another semester we did Islam, and we had a panel of uh, students and faculty. Uh, on our campus who had various experiences with Islam. A couple of our Muslim students uh, spoke on that panel. And then we went to the, the mosque in Pocatello. Uh, well, the, yeah, the, the, the Muslim center there in Pocatello. And it was a, just a phenomenal experience. And uh, um, we, went, we actually got to go during Ramadan, which was really great. And so it was really fun. Did you fast? Uh, you know what? I did that day. Uh, I actually did, yes. I, I did not eat or drink anything uh, after the sun came up. Uh, I love so, that. Yeah. So well, it was great. You know what? We just live in an area where there is opportunity for a wealth of experience is what it's sounding like. Much more than I think people realize. I I think if we reach out, there's much more out there. Great. Well, where can people find you if they're interested in joining the society? Uh, We do have a Facebook page and uh, we have an Instagram account um, so they can find us, BYUI uh, Interfaith Leadership on on those. If they search those things, they can find us. They can find us every second and fourth Wednesday at seven o'clock in the Taylor building uh, up on the second floor in Taylor 276. That's our usual room. Uh, we also, uh, of course, have a group in I Belong, and so they can look uh, for us in, in, in BYU I Belong and uh, register for the, the uh, society. It doesn't cost anything. There's no fees. And that's kind of where they can find us, or they can come find me, and I'd be happy to talk to them about it. Great. Well, thank you for talking with us today. Is there anything else that you'd like to add or that you'd like us to know about the Interfaith Leadership Academic Society? Uh, I, I Actually, the only, the only thought, thought I have— uh, is that I'd, I'd like to emphasize that this is a student-led, student-driven society. Um, we have a group of student officers every semester, a president, a vice president, activities officer, communications officer, and a secretary, and uh, they, they really run the show. Uh, I, I often tell them I'm, I'm really here to just make sure they don't burn anything down. Uh, but uh, but they, they come up with all the activities and uh, and, and pull them off every, every time we do one of those, and, and uh, I'm just there to advise and, and kind of keep things on track, but... But they, they run it, and uh, I think because of that, it, they, they know how to make it relevant for, for students on campus. So. Great. Kudos to our students. Yes, they're doing a great job. Well, thank you again. That was Brother Ryan Gardner. He is the faculty advisor for the Interfaith Leadership Academic Society 